So, welcome to Six Strings of Tension, a guitar podcast where I talk about guitar with great guitarists around the world um, doing cool things with six strings. And today I feel very, very happy to be speaking to someone who's not from South Africa, not from America, not from the UK or from Europe, but this is an Australian guitar player. Australia is a place very close to my heart. I've spent quite a lot of time there. Um, And this is just one of the best guitar players out there right now, in my opinion. He's got a great new album coming out in November. Um, But yeah, without further ado, this is Darren, aka DC Cross. Uh, How are you doing? Darren, can I call you Darren? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, um, good, thanks, Duncan. How are you? Good, man. Really, really good. Thank you so much for joining. How's life? You're in Sydney, here. How's life there? Yeah, Sydney's pretty good. Um, Just did my hectic weekend. I'm actually a DJ. That's my day job at night time. Okay. (laughs) But it's more like restaurant DJ. It's not like techno crappy stuff. So, um, yeah, just doing that and playing guitar and pretty good yeah. it's still cold which is weird um yeah it's meant to be spring but it's like as you can see from the yeah no you're looking video. wrapped up yeah it's freezing <laughs> here at the moment so <laughs> flipping hell you know like that was one thing that really did surprise me in australia like because i mean i'm from south africa so we're kind of like on a similar you know what do you call it latitudinal lines you know in terms of where we are on the globe and um Mm. and also like i guess like for all of us you know when we see pictures of australia it's like the outback and hot and you know that's kind of the (laughs) the way it is and then so i lived in melbourne for a year and melbourne was freezing it was like the coldest i think i've ever been in my life (laughs) yeah and even sydney like I was I was pretty shocked actually how how chilly it, it gets. That you yeah, have. absolutely. Yeah, it's 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 mental, and it, it's like even um, it's getting even colder. Oh, what now. the hell! Yeah, and even hotter. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I guess um, I guess a good place to start would be where I normally start, which is just asking you know when was the last time you played guitar and what were you playing. Oh, yeah, I was playing guitar probably about 10 minutes ago. Um, I've, I'm have i actually trying to um, figure out the new Kylie Minogue single, oh, Padam Padam. Yeah. Sick, man. Yeah. Um, it's, I don't know, I, I, I love pop music, um, mm. so I'm just trying to do it in the open C tuning. But okay. yeah, I actually did a, a song, my old band did a song with Kylie Minogue once. Yeah. Which, so I've kind of got to get out a free jail card with <laughs> Kylie, but I do actually like her. Yeah. Um, no, she's yeah. a great musician. It, and I, I was pretty amazed when I was like, because I mean, I only really know uh, your music as DC Cross, you know, the sort of kind of acoustic guitar type of thing. And then when I was checking out your kind of history, you've got like, you know, at this stage, a couple of decades worth of, of musical experience and it includes yeah like collaborating also with like cool keith the rapper uh Kylie <laughs> yeah, Minogue. yeah how, okay well, let's start there like how how did that how did that come to pass that you did a song with kylie minogue 
Yeah, uh, I don't know. That was really crazy. We knew her through some mutual friends, and um, okay. I, I don't know. There was something to do, you know, with some industry thing, like our publisher. Also, okay. I was like, yeah, I was off with the Pixies back then, so I didn't really know what was going on. But she left her. I I had one of the first mobile phones. It was just this hunk of junk my mother bought from the post office, and I got this phone call from Kylie Minogue, and I, I missed the call, and I had this like. <laughs> You know, a, 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 a shoebox-sized phone with Kylie Minogue. Oh, hi, Darren. I'd love to sing a song with you. And I'm just like showing everyone at the pub, look at this, yeah. Kylie Minogue. <laughs> Kylie Minogue, mate. What happened hell? But so, and, yeah, we met up with her. The only time we were over in London and I sung the song with her in the studio. It oh, was before wow. Yeah. Mm. It was before photos and stuff. So it's like mm. there's no record. So maybe I did just imagine it. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I doubt that very much. But um, yeah, because I mean, like nowadays, when you think of someone collaborating with an artist, it's like, you know, they record their little part in a studio wherever they are in the world, you do yours wherever, mm. kind of do it over email, you know. So with her, it was like you, you, you're physically present for that collab together here. Eh? Yeah, yeah, totally. I think it was even in um, Peter Gabriel's studio or something crazy over Jesus. the top. You know, <laughs> I was a kid. I didn't really know what was going on. I was yeah. How, how old were it. you when that was going on? Um, I don't know. It's in my early twenties. Okay, okay. Flipping hell. Had had she done her 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 collab with Nick Cave at that stage yet? Uh, yeah, this was, yeah. this was the, like, she'd kind of, um, had fizzled out a bit and, um, it was like a week before that spinning around clip, okay. you know, the one. Yes. With, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And she, we, she's talking to her, she's like, oh, I'm going to make a comeback. It's going to like a big gay disco hit. And, okay. and we're like, yeah, that's cool. Whatever. And then like, boom, next yeah, week no. I'm spinning around. Everyone's talking about her pants yeah. and. <laughs> pretty is, crazy it is so crazy it's so crazy i don't know like australia has got like a, such a cool kind of musical culture all of its own you know like even with stars who make it massive you know internationally like kylie they all always seem to sort of have i don't know some kind of down-to-earth characteristic about them that and then, you know, they, they sort of see, well, with Kylie in particular, you know, she worked with you guys, with Nick Cave, with sort of the more underground and alternative type of stuff. Um, mm. But yeah, so like, do you reckon that sort of the, the, the Australian context has been very, very kind of core to the music that you've made? Because I, I know you've kind of been all over the world. Um, even nowadays, you still tour Europe quite a bit. Um, but do you still feel like very sort of a strong tie with Australia and Australian musical culture? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I I don't really think about it. I guess my two favorite bands are the Dirty Three and ACDC. Oh, so sick. they're both they're both Australian. But yeah, yeah, I'm not really patriotic at all. Okay. I, yeah, don't okay. really care. Yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, no, okay, well, fair enough, fair enough. But yeah, I mean, like the Dirty Three and ACDC, well, ACDC is like probably 
Australian like heroes, you know. Um, um, and the Dirty Three, that's the one that's Warren Ellis is in, right? What am I thinking? Yeah, Jim White. Yes. Yeah, Jim White and and Mick Turner. Yeah, Jim yeah. White is amazing drummer. He's in a bunch of bands, mm. um, and Mick Turner is amazing guitarist. Yeah, they're just like, wow, man, they're just so good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Warren's busy with Nick Cave, unfortunately, <laughs> for everybody, because the Dirty Three just kick yeah. so much. No, so 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 good. But okay, so like growing up what kind of so so did you grow up in sydney first of all yeah i grew up in sydney uh in the western suburbs okay which is um yeah west so you drive i don't know an hour out of sydney and it's kind of middle class to low income kind of working class it was back then anyway yeah um it's different is, now, but is that sort of going up into the Blue Mountains side? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's kind of past Parramatta, and then okay. then you got Penrith, and it was in between those two, and then you've got the Blue Mountains. Okay. Um, so yeah, and around it's pretty rough out in Penrith, and, and yeah, no, it it is. Yeah. yeah. Or uh, well, uh, even when I was there, that's pretty pretty rough, but 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 cool, and then. So mm, how did you definitely. how did you fall into music out there? Oh, it's just a typical grunge kind of thing. Um, okay. Yeah, this was just before. It's in the late. Just before, yeah, eighty nine. I think I first started. Um, you know, I was just me and um, this guy from school. You know, we we're just oddballs and just loved playing the guitar and sonic youth and okay. just that was our way to rebel you know it was just a, a full grunge cliche you know fuck you don't tell me what to do <laughs> mum and dad i'm gonna play music Ooh. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And then, <laughs> but i don't know but before that uh, before it become an attitude i mean when i was really young about mm. 12 i first discovered the guitar and okay. um, I don't know how I I went I fluked it, but there was this um every Monday night there was this blues radio show on um local radio. You could hardly pick it up, you know. And I would mm. I'd record it each week and then just try to play okay. play along with it. And and it was good blues. It wasn't like you know, yeah, Steve Ray Vaughan or shit like that. It was it was proper um stuff. And I guess I don't know. I must have heard John Fay. Yeah. What I must have heard him on it, because um, when I first heard Fay, it was just like, oh, yeah, right. Because I remember when I was a kid. This was before the internet and everything. And I went into the city, which is a big deal. And I went to this big music store because I had this idea where I wanted to um, do composition on acoustic guitar, um, and not have any other band so it was that was when i was a kid i was i, I thought that I, I thought it was my idea but there was no one to help me in the record store this was like back in the day you know and yeah i picked up i picked up a, a, a tape that i thought looked like what i was it was in my head like as a blues guy and but it was just this shitty kind of i don't even know what it was it was eddie lang this kind of and it was just like i ah, just yeah. 
played it. I just threw it out the window. I was like, oh, man, this isn't it. And then got into Guns N' Roses and forgot about the whole thing okay. for 20 years. Okay, cool, man. So, like, on that radio show, was it like the old sort of Delta acoustic blues kind of stuff? Mm. Uh, yeah. Well, I think, like, you know, even in just hearing that, I guess, I mean, even if they didn't necessarily play Fahey, Fahey kind of makes sense if you're familiar with that that sort of stuff because I guess that was probably what he was very much so influenced by. Um, oh, definitely, like Muddy Waters and all that, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah. Um, but okay, so so you 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 already at that stage had like the sort of idea for solo acoustic blue sort of bluesy influence kind of stuff going on. Okay, that's cool. So, but then your first so was was your first band Girling here? Yeah that that was um, that was two five string guitars tuned Whoa. up to a a or something and a drummer and we were kind of influenced by initially the boredoms and sonic youth truman's okay. order polvo um so yeah uh, we were using uh alternate tunings mm. yeah. which is weird as well because you know by the time i you know a few years ago i figure out that thurston moore is a big fan of Faye and all that stuff it's like oh yeah right that makes sense like yeah. So it's always been in the trajectory of what I'm doing, the kind of dismantling yeah. it. Yeah. So it's weird. But yeah. so, yeah, Girling was the first band, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, but I mean, I guess then, like with Girling, like you say, it's like, yeah, Sonic Youth were using crazy tunings and that all, all at the outset. Um, and Girling seems like you guys sort of um had like a relatively successful time as a band by i guess my standards which are probably not internationally recognized or anything like that but (laughs) but it seems like so so was girling like you and that mate of yours that you're talking about from sort of the western side playing guitar making noise being grunge and and that's what kind of manifested well, it did at first, and yeah. then he left. He left the band, and then so long story short, mm. then we can talk about the good stuff, the guitar and that. But um, he kind of pissed off, and then um, we, another guy joined, and then we did four albums. But we kind of went with the flow, you know. So by the time we did our first record, it was in the nineties, mm. late nineties, and all the dance music was coming through, and DJ Shadow and samplers and. being able to set up your home studio and the internet and all that so it was a really cool time because we just got all this stuff like the record company set up our own studio and we learned how to use it which was pretty unprecedented back then so we were quite spoiled in a way and we weren't really like these commercial you know sods or whatever so we just went with the flow you know and it was kind of like a a gradual thing so that's how we ended up doing house music with kylie minogue and <laughs> and then cool our last keith. record yeah. cool keith yeah mm. classic and then the last record we did was with ethan johns this producer who's done like ryan adams kings of leon Whoa, all this okay. crap yeah so i don't know <laughs> it's pretty crazy yeah, really. it is crazy yeah. man it's crazy it's so cool though so so they like set up a studio for you guys eh? 
the the label, I guess. The label, yeah. It was in the real ghetto part of town too. Okay. Yeah. So well, um super cool though. And so then were you guys like recording yourselves and just sort of learning to use the gear? Yep. Okay. That puts you in good stead, I reckon, because it looks like today you do pretty much everything yourself, like until mastering. Yeah, everything and like making video clips and doing all my um, graphic design and yeah, I'll kind of, I have a crack at everything. Yeah. So did all of that sort of start at this stage in the 90s? You guys get a studio. Okay, cool. And um, was that something that you sort of naturally gravitated towards, like the more kind of engineering production side of things or... Uh, was it just like out of necessity? Absolutely. I was not, had no inkling at, I didn't even know how to turn a computer on. Like I didn't, okay. I was such a, oh, I didn't even know what you call it. Um, yeah. But yeah, in the end I, I figured it out and that, um, so we always use Logic. I, I still use Logic now and uses Pro Tools. I remember when that was the big thing. Use Pro mm. Tools, blah, blah. I'm like, I don't need that. I mean, I don't care. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, I mean, I would, that's what I would tell anyone, you know, if just, and stuff's so cheap now, like young, younger people, I've learn how to do it yourself mm. and then you'll just go with the flow and learn how to do it because it's just so powerful, you know. Yeah, it's actually insane. Like what powerful tools are available like for free even you know you can download mm -hmm. like so many different daws and plugins and stuff for free that's like beyond what anyone had access to like 30 years ago you know um, absolutely you couldn't even be able to use all the stuff you could download for free yeah it's just and that's a problem that takes a lot of time you know because you got to find what you like especially with i i also do electronic music where i have and it was just that's the time it's you got to find all the sounds that that represent you you know what i mean otherwise you just yeah. that's that's why i i love playing the guitar now okay. that's because that's it it just takes all that out of it it takes the whole thing it's like there's the guitar that's it that's it okay but so like with with girling and with the studio was that sort of also like you know working with kind of the software and technology and tools and everything was that also one of the ways that you kind of got into creating electronic music um or was that sort of something that was already happening anyway no yeah that's it, it yeah we went from sonic youth screaming me screaming my head off into you know sampling and and and, and house music and because it was wasn't really happening the indie mm. dancing wasn't really happening in australia so um we started doing it and people show up to our rock shows and it was when ecstasy first started coming into the fray as well so people would come to our shows like off their chops and you know um our my, my mother would be there and she's like hugging these big burly dudes she's like hi oh, that guy's so nice isn't he and i'm like yeah mom like two years ago he was trying to beat me up now he's like dancing with my mom on the pingers it's like cool you just drop a house beat and a hi-hat yeah and they're like yeah so that we're is like, awesome we're, though yeah we're 
pretty much like the lo-fi happy Mondays, really. But um, okay. <laughs> so yeah, it was a good time. It was a good time. It was a good and, scene, man. It's a good yeah. scene. So how long did that go on for? That like like riding the sort of house and electronic wave. Or creating uh, a wave to ride, seeing as there wasn't really one in Australia at the time. Yeah, well, I mean, we kind of, yeah, we 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 helped pave the way, but there were lots of bands who come after us and made a hell of a lot of money. Mm. Um, even like we were friends with the Avalanches at the time, and um, we kind of had a bit of a falling out. But we used to, they used to play with us in Sydney, and we'd play in Whoa. Melbourne, and I, I even went to their house and and they robbie the guy the main mm, guy yeah he he, sh- he showed me um since i left you oh since wow. I left yeah you. that's the the classic album in my opinion anyway the one that i know best yeah and he he showed me the um the sequencing because he did it all on his computer and there was yeah. like you know a page of like 80 samples and he played it to me and i just was like yeah. This is amazing. This is gonna fucking man. I I I was kind of depressed. I was like, "Oh, girling sucks compared to this," you know. <laughs> no man. Um, no. But and then they just went and then but there's heaps of other Aussie bands as well, you know, who would support us or who'd come mm. to our shows, you know, like Cut Copy or Midnight Juggernauts or blah yeah. blah blah. Um, but yeah, we but were we were first. <laughs> okay, the the pioneers. The overlooked pioneers. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, rub it in. It's so cool, though. Man, that Avalanche's record, like, that's bringing back some serious memories for me even. <laughs> you know, when that when that thing hit the, hit the clubs here, it was like, I don't know. It was so cool because it was like club music that, that was just so, like, engaging and, and, and awesome. Like you say, like, the samples were so good. Man, yeah, that's that's awesome though that you got to sort of see that and play with those guys, um, and pave the way for them. That's yeah, very honourable. But I checked on your new album. So for those listening, uh, Darren's got a a new record coming out November called Wizrad. And first of all, I really love that album. Like like. It, it, it kind of blew me away, especially like I finally had some proper time yesterday to like listen to it, a few, like on a few rotations. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's like a few songs on there that like the, the, the you know, Brumby revisited and that kind of brought a tear to my eye at one point. Um, but what I really like about it is the use of kind of electronics and samples and field recordings and things like that that kind of create such a an engaging sequencing throughout the record because you know sometimes like a straight acoustic guitar record can be a little bit one-dimensional so Mm. for that record there um was the idea to kind of are, are, are you kind of keen to to be blending more elements of that sort of electronic and ambient sort of music with the kind of acoustic primitive style playing um or or what was kind of the thought process behind it yeah i i don't like to mix both of them um the i, I think predominantly wizard has six 
um, kind of guitar tracks. Four are definitely uh, primitive style. Yeah. Two two aren't, but they're still kind of in the bracket. Mm. And then the rest are kind of... There's two ambient songs, which are just full-on ambient. Yeah. Um, And then there's uh, like three of the weird sound effect-y kind of ones. And they're... I don't know. I see them more like skits, you know? Okay. Like Wu-Tang Clan skits. Hip-hop yeah, yeah. stuff. Yeah. Or Beastie Boys kind of... And that's just to... To... To yeah, to to, to kind of trip you out a bit, mm. um, because a when bit I of a play cleanse, yeah, a bit of a palate cleanse, and I think I don't know, it all kind of works. And the apart from the three skits, the rest, even the ambient songs, they're all guitar, one take. So okay. I'm not going to give away too much how to do it, but the the two ambient songs on it, they're all just. They're both guitar as well. Wow. Um, so I, I the thing expect that. Yeah. So it's it's um like like I I think I'm I'm saying that it's all um yeah it's all one guitar apart from the skits but um and mm. they're just field recordings. Okay. Um, well, yeah. I mean, I mean, the one sort of skit that I really like is that one where it's like the sound of birds, and then you've sort of manipulated them a bit i know you i hope you know the one i'm talking about <laughs> yeah 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 but it's called but it, birdie birdie yeah yeah <laughs> that one i don't know I, I i think it's like really i don't know just really interesting and that was also when i was like let me just check out like you know who mixed this or you know like engineered it or whatever and then i saw it was all you and um yeah, it kind of made sense. You know, it's like a singular vision of one person, but but it all ties together so nicely. Um, and also, like, I wanted to find out, you know, like, are you comfortable with the, the primitive label? Because like you were saying, you know, some of the songs, like, you can call them primitive, but I feel like there's they've kind of got, like, their own thing going as well, like a bit of a warmer tone, like really really interesting compositionally and melodically uh in ways that i don't feel are like that sort of very traditional blues and ragtime rooted american primitive style but yeah so so what are your thoughts on sort of labels and that kind of thing yeah that is interesting i mean firstly the political aspect of the title primitive it it does um rub some people up the wrong way Mm -hmm. um I understand that, so I'm a bit wary about using the title, but I, I don't know. I didn't make it up, so. Yeah. But it's kind of, I know what you mean. Yeah, my music is has always never been just in the bag, um, you know. Like I do love stuff like you know crazy, like early Daniel Buckman and Jack Rose and and all that stuff. Like, but I I mean with newer players like. My favorite American guy is Matthew J. Rowland. And, I mean, yeah. is he primitive? I don't know what he is. I mean, yeah. even Joseph Allred, I saw that he played something on the weekend with Matthew and he was doing this ecstatic 12-string. And it was like, I I don't even know where it's going now. Yeah. Um. So I did see something on Instagram, a surfer guy with his shirt off with a six-pack 
playing a, a, a John Faye song and I almost had a heart attack. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just to bring that up. Yeah. So, and and then they had that uh, um, American Primitive Bingo thing that was kicking around on... Did you see that? It was like like a Ludo board and it was like, wear your boots, D Street. And I almost like had a heart attack. I was like, fucking yeah. get me out of here, man. I don't want to be... But... <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I definitely try not to do what's done before. Yeah. But um, I'd I'd more say it's I've been using ecstatic guitar. That's what I've and that has roots in you know ecstatic yod, which is you know all that stuff, um, and even ecstatic piece, which was Thurston and Brian Coley, oh, I yes, think, yeah. and and that that kind of stems from jack rose's legacy but yeah i'm not sure man i i don't know i'm too busy i'm too busy writing guitar to think about hashtags whatever. <laughs> oh fair fair enough fair enough um I, I i like that that adjective yeah that i think like in your right write-up you you have it as ecstatic uh ecstatic and madcap ambient and i was like that's that sounds right to me i guess but, but I get what you're saying, though. Like, you know, players like Matthew J. Rowland and um, Joseph Allred and even like what Daniel Bachman is doing now, you know, as opposed to sort of his early records. Like, these guys have all stretched, you know, and obviously yourself, like, are, are not sort of just recreating that kind of um, freight train American primitive kind of thing going on. So I think that's that's super exciting. But in Australia, like, is there kind of a, a larger community of the sort of solo acoustic guitar, ecstatic playing, or are you kind of just <laughs> one manning it out there? <laughs> yeah, no, there's, I don't see, I don't know either. That's the thing yeah. that I, I, I mean, I might, I might know a couple of people, but I'm not sure. I think I'm the only lifer, as you would call it, like the guy who yeah. this is what I do. I don't, you know, have some other alter. Okay, like this in, is it. Intention. This is what you do. <laughs> this is what I do. Yeah, I'm a lifer. <laughs> so, yeah, but uh, I don't know. Um, yeah, I, 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 that's the beauty that I have too. You know, I, I don't know if I'm good or if I'm bad. I'll mm -hmm. just keep developing it, and and you know, I might see something that Matthew Rowland has done or. You know, even Rob Noise or not saying that I'm on their level, it's completely different, but yeah, I'm yeah. like, oh, wow, fuck, that's cool. Oh, that's, yeah, we could do a show together. I could see that happening, but yeah, uh, I don't know. I think I'm a bit of a, you know, we uh, anomaly really here you. in Australia. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. No, I know. I, I think I can relate. South Africa isn't really sort of bustling. Yeah, like you <laughs> yeah, like yourself. Exactly yeah. like yourself. It's just like you're just doing your thing, man. <laughs> so no, I, I feel you. I feel you. I think that's also why like when I was listening to your stuff, I was like, I don't know, I felt like this weird sort of even though obviously you're doing you've got a completely different context and doing your thing. I was like I feel like a weird kinship with someone who's not from like America or the UK or something like that doing doing this kind of kind of music you know um so it's super admirable but but well, that's I, I, sorry to interrupt no, no, but no, that's like 
that's like your album as well. I mean, you've used lots of field recordings and, um, yeah, cause, um, what's his name? Rob from Soundomat. He yeah. sent me a copy and he's like hyping you up like hell. And I listened to it. I was like, yeah, man, this is heaps cool. Cause I'd heard your last thing that you put out on Ramble with the blue cover. Sorry. Yes, yeah, the yeah. name escapes me. No, that's me. cool. That's cool. But yeah, this yeah. new, the new record that you put out on oral, what is it? Canyon yeah, or whatever. That's it. That's oral like Canyon, super yeah. trippy, man. It's no, like, thank you. Yeah. It's heaps cool. Thank you very much, dude. Like I really appreciate that. <laughs> um, I, I I try not to use the podcast to promote my own stuff, but but thank you so much, dude. I, I'm glad. Hey, I'm very grateful to Rob here because I think a lot of musicians struggle to kind of promote themselves. You know, it always feels a bit weird, like being like, "Hey, I did this thing." <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> it's. It, I guess it's just part of the trade. Um, but but Australia, like. Like I, I kind of want to talk a little bit about guitars, I guess, because mm. one thing that I noticed when I was there is that there is like, a, even if it's not the sort of style of kind of, you know, out there solo guitar playing, there is quite a big guitar culture there. And um, I remember I was like really surprised when I got there, you know, everywhere else in the world that I go, it's like, yeah, you got your Martins and your Taylors and, you know, Guild or whatever. But Australia has like its own sort of guitar culture and like you know there everyone was just like oh no you know martin whatever maton is the one and i was like what the hell is this maton thing um because i'd never heard of maton guitars until i got there mm. and i think i've seen you playing a maton before am i correct yeah definitely um but well yeah uh yeah, like, I mean, Tommy Emmanuel, not that I'm that vibe at all, but he's put them on the map. I mean, oh, yeah. God, that guy's incredible. But, um, yeah, I actually, with the last record, Wizrad, um, they sponsored me. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I just used um, a Maiden Artist 808 um, guitar, and okay. they gave it to me super cheap. So... It's it was the first proper guitar I've ever had. Usually I have these shitty Japanese knockoffs like parlor yeah. guitars for two hundred bucks. So this come and I was just like, Oh, I don't know. Mm. And then, you know, I used just that album. I just on my last album I just used that guitar. I think well, Brumby revisited. Mm. I used a two hundred dollar guitar I bought off Facebook Marketplace. But Yeah, that that was my style before Maiden come yeah, along. Yeah. But um but that yeah. So that's cool. But now um, I just got a luthier-made guitar from South Australia um, by a guy called um, Theo Nicholas, and he he did uh, Opus guitars, and he made me my dream guitar. I gave him the specs, so I've just got that. Like, I just got that. Um, but, yeah, the thing about Australia and guitars is, man, they're just so expensive to get American guitars. Like, yeah. and when they get here, they're such a ripoff, you know? And it's just like, you, you could fly, no shit, you could fly to America, mm. spend a week there, pick out a guitar, and then fly back with it, and it'd be the same price as picking one up here. So there's, and Maiden have been around for yonks or whatever, but um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I got lucky with that. They, 
we got mm. in contact and they gave me sent me a really beautiful guitar um so yeah that's that's why i mean yeah yeah no. i not many people know about Maiden in America. I don't know. I don't think. Yeah, I um, think. I think, like you said, probably from like an acoustic view, Tommy Emmanuel has kind of put them on the map. Um, but also, I think that uh, what's his name, Josh Homme from Queens of the Stone Age, he played an electric Maiden as well. But because um, because because that was kind of like you know. W- w- when I was there and I was like, mate, I've never heard of mate and guitars before. And mm. the, the guy I was with was like, oh, mate, like Queens of the Stone Age use mate and guitars sometimes. Um, and that was, and then I was like, OK, damn, you know, if, if they're using it, it's probably probably not a shit guitar. <laughs> um, but <laughs> but 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 I also find that they kind of and, and I understand what you mean about like because of where geographically Australia is. Um, and the American guitars are so expensive, you know, like when I read interviews mm. with people and they're like, oh, Guild, it's just like, you know, your working man's knockabout cheap guitars. Like, well, fucking hell, in, in South Africa, a Guild is like, yeah. you've got to be like a, a CEO or something to be playing one of those. Um, Fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, Same but here, man. Same here. Mm. No, I, I, I recall, yeah. But so with the Maiden, like, how did you take to this transition from, you know, 200 buck whatevers to like a, I imagine, like a high end fancy kind of instrument? Um, I took at it like a, a man with a machete <laughs> trying to go on a rat's mass murder rampage. It was at this time as well, I... I started playing with banjo picks as well. Oh, okay. Which, yeah. So in with with the last record, Wizrad, I'd never done banjo picks, but I just like locked off a month and just just broke in the guitar and learned what I could do and hmm. and just yeah use banjo picks and all that. So I was flailing around and trying to do lots of banjo style stuff on it um just to get a vibe on my new record um yeah it took me a while but then it was just like i'd recorded Wizrad and then i got it masked by chuck johnson i never mm. didn't even think about it chuck johnson from america and i got it back and i was like oh yeah okay this sounds really good like <laughs> yeah. i just recorded it i just recorded it here with to mm-hmm. road which is another australian mister mm. i'm not patriotic and all i talk about is australia yeah. but road microphones these nt5s these yeah. two stereo ones fucking dope and then this um this cold ribbon mic i got from them from doing like demo stuff for the company once okay. and then so i use that but i'm also endorsed by shirtler which is a swiss company um okay. They do amps and um, acoustic amps and pickups. And I use this amp. It can fit in a skate bag. It's called a Julia X. Okay. Um, it's, they're the best amps ever. And they do these pickups as well. So I was using that. I was using the Maiden with the built-in pickup mm-hmm. straight through the into the Shirtler as a, as a preamp. So I had oh. the pickup two room mics or three room mics and that's it um so yeah just yeah it just it all worked it all happened and 
um yeah i just did it all myself out of necessity and it just had worked <laughs> okay well that's so cool though so when you record then okay obviously like you said you got the room mics because your all your stuff like even on you know previous albums like there's that like acoustic guitar in a room sound which i think is what most acoustic guitarists like best you know like not plugged in um but you say you're also using a pickup uh, additionally to that is that something that you've been doing for a while or did you just sort of start with the mate and now um also going through it like an amp no all my my all my four albums mm. um the ecstatic record terabithian yeah. hot wire the lalo and this one I've always used that as a, um, yeah, I, I find that you get, I don't know if people think it's a cheat. I don't give a shit, really. I mean, it, that's my take on recording. It's still live, uh, a guitar. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it, you can just, like, get a good um, bit, of, bit of a full ba- ba- bass tone. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, because it, they all sound clacky and it sounds crap. So mm. if you have that just under, it just adds a bit. Yeah, like f- yeah. fills it out. Yeah, yeah, okay. it gives you a little bit. So I might even EQ the whole top end off sometimes. Okay, okay um, nice. Now, these are the sorts but, of tricks that I need, and I think that a lot of people who listen need to hear about, though, because, you know, like, it's it's not easy to capture a really good, full acoustic instrument sound. Um and I think that, like you said, you know, some people have got like a weird sort of mental uh, block against, you know, plugging in an acoustic instrument or trying to use pickups or something like that, um, which really isn't helpful because I guess, you know, as you say, it's live and it it's about getting kind of a, a sound that you're happy with at the end. And I mean, mm, uh, no, go. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and, like, when I do the compositions, right, then I'll spend another week mm-hmm. trying to figure out how to play it through the live equipment because it's completely different, and it drives me nuts or whatever. And in Australia, I'm sorry, but you can't just rock up and have, like, two microphones and it not... It's it's not like that here. And maybe America it is, or England, or posh England, but here it's like, <laughs> fucking, stand over there, shorty, and play something. I'm like, fuck, all right. So... Yeah. I've I now I use the Shirtler amp and I use they have pickups as well but mm-hmm. um it's about yeah trying to make the acoustic guitar sound good like how a guitar sounds so from like a small pub show like to the other night I played with Ed Cooper 500 people at a theater mm-hmm. I just rocked up with my little amp my guitar no fallback Mm. No nothing. Just said plug this into your DI. No sound check. Let's go. Yeah. And it's on. You, you'll hear what it sounds like. It's a killer, you know. Because I spent so many years, Duncan, rocking mm. up to gigs with my little acoustic and my, you know, crappy pickup and feedback and the sound guy, a oh. fucking asshole, and just like killing it. Now yeah. I have my amp, I have my guitar, I have my pickup, I have my sound. I'm like, hey, sound guy, take the EQ off that plug this in the di and turn it up don't do anything else and yeah. if if they're that if they're like cool sound guys they'll know what they're doing but a lot of the time 
they'll no, still no fuck it up. Yeah, so <laughs> I took, I, I spent so, like, getting so disheartened with the whole thing. I took back the power. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, so, with, the, mm. with the acoustic, though, I mean, fucking hell. Like, you, you, you really... You really don't know how bad it can sound until you start like going on a little tour and playing like whatever backpackers pubs and things like that and you hear <laughs> what the fuck they've managed to make that thing sound like you know they like yeah. crank the mids and it's just like that horrible like you say clacky like and quacky um tone so i think like a lot of professional acoustic guitar players you've got to basically be in control of your own eq uh whether it's mm. through an amp or a little on stage desk or whatever because yeah like 90 percent of venues don't know how to manage the sound of an acoustic guitar or, or, or to get it to actually even sound like an acoustic guitar but um, yeah absolutely mm. so i rock up with with my amp and i put it exactly the same distance that i rehearsed to right yeah so I could be on a fucking spaceship and I'd still be able to play. I could be on top of a helicopter. Or probably not that, but yeah. do you know what I mean? I I really, I've got yeah. it sussed. And, and like shirt, like these, these Julia X okay. amplifiers, they're small, like they're, they're tiny. Like I went around Europe with, you know, that in a skateboard backpack in my guitar. Wow. And yeah. That's it. Um, but yeah. So, that's, so how long? Yeah, how how long you been using Schertler here? Hey? Am I saying it correctly? The brand. Yeah, Swiss. Swiss yeah, out. Swiss. Okay, how long you been using their amps and and things for? Uh not that long. Probably okay. a year. I was okay. just using like kind of. You you know you probably heard AER. They they're, they're kind of yes, like. Yeah. They were always the way out of my price range. I could not afford yeah. anything, so I used the kind of crappier versions of that and that's where it kind of you know got got the confidence yeah because AER holy shit it's so expensive like yeah <laughs> and, and and I'm sure there as well like you end up having to pay like all the kind of import and all of that stuff too um but yeah so so like with with the live sort of side of things it seems like you are pretty committed to like you say you're like a lifer um and so is the plan now to hit the road and like go on a tour uh for Wizrad once it comes out yeah absolutely i got um another couple of cool support shows coming up um okay because I, I, I book myself as well and yeah. i manage myself and do everything so i can kind of do everything at the last minute but so i'm gonna play um another show with ed cooper and that's in the city of Sydney. That's a recital okay. hall. That's like a massive big deal. Yeah. Um, and then I'm playing at the Art Gallery in New South Wales, which is a massive place, the Australian yeah. biggest. And then um, Exlorious, Exlorious White, um, which is Jim White from the Dirty Three. I'm playing oh. with them. Yeah. That's, wow. That, so, yeah, and in between there, I'll do my own. I'll mm. do my own tour, but... Um, yeah, and then hopefully um, get back to Europe. I mean, especially in Germany. I've got heaps of friends in Germany. So, um, yeah, Germany, France, and the Netherlands. That's always mm. always a nice run. Yeah, 
It seems like, yeah, it seems like you, I mean, like in the brief sort of time that I've been just sort of following you on social media and that seems like Europe is kind of a, a place that you seem to go to and, and, and get gigs at. Um, so is that just based on sort of these sorts of connections that you have over there? Yeah. And, and more friends as well. Mm. So even if it all goes to shit, I go and see friends who I really love. Yeah. I've been going to been going to Berlin since about 2004. So I, I know heaps of people and, um, I, I was in a folk duo with my, um, fiance as well jess so mm. we toured over in yeah finland and um france and germany and um okay. yeah a bunch of places over there so yeah just yeah. been going over there and booking well, it ourselves which is crazy but <laughs> yeah i know it's it's tough man well like yeah so so you so when you go to europe and that do you have any like booking agent or anything helping you it's just you hey mm -hmm. okay how does that like do you enjoy it does it take a bit of a toll on you like what's the where where does it leave you <laughs> yeah. i have a good time when i get okay. back and meet all these cool people and um yeah, I love it. I mean, who else is going to do it for me? Fair enough. <laughs> Sit around. Oh, gee, I'm so good. I need to. <laughs> you no, get to fair a point. Enough. It's not going to fucking happen. So, I mean, and when it does, you're like, hey, I don't trust you. Why are you saying you like me? Get out, get out of here, shorty. I don't want to talk to you. Fucking you, you I want know something. that feeling, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, it's cool. I mean, it's hard, though. Like, mm. to get 20 shows, it takes five months. Yeah. And about 5,000 rejections or people not getting back to you. But uh, sometimes you hit the jackpot. Like there's a guy over in um, Frankfurt. His name's Holger. Um, he's like the kingpin of, you know, all this amazing primitive mm -hmm. style music. And he's turned me on to all this German stuff. And I met him online through this other bloke who runs Dying for Bad Music. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, that's like amazing you know, oh, American Primitive blog, and he kicked me onto that, and then boom, I'm in this guy's house playing all these people, and they love my music. It's like, well, this is cool, and I'm yeah. still friends with Holger now, you know, and I'll go and see him again if I can. And yeah, it's 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 those little things in life, you make you know, you make new friends and the love of music, and see, so then you like these pen pals. It's just really cute. It is, it is really cute though. Like that's such a perfect way of describing it, because it's like you know, it's like you you you're doing this weird thing that like ninety nine percent of people are not really even aware of, and uh, and you get to build these like yeah like these cute little communities like around where there's other people like oh I'm also doing that weird thing that most people don't even know about so yeah mm. it's it's really rewarding though like when you find people like that so it's always as you say like a bit surprising you're like what like you're also into this thing <laughs> um but yeah that's rad but I checked like with your duo that you're talking about Jep and Depp um even that you know I was reading about some of the some of the acts that you guys, you know, toured with or played gigs with. Um, 
and it was you know super super exciting like i I think i saw you guys you didn't you like play open with johnny ma or something like that yeah i got a funny johnny ma Ma story story so i'm keen (laughs) if you're willing to share (laughs) yep he's absolute legend right i know morris he's a fucking goose whatever (laughs) he's not my cup of tea they did Mm. some great music together whatever so we get to the sound check right me and Jess, we got this handball, this Johnny Marr gig last minute. It was weird because Courtney Barnett was staying with us. This was before she was famous as well. So there was all this stuff going on. It was mental, actually, if I look back at it. Um, so we get the sound check and we can't get in the, the place, of course. Mm. And they start playing How Soon Is Now. And I almost collapsed. Like mm. I, I, I couldn't really deal with it. <laughs> I, I, I I was I can't deal with this. So anyway, Jep and Depp show it was just me, Jess and a guitar. That was how our act. Okay. Yeah. And um so we did the sound check and he, he like jumps out and starts talking to us and you know, we're like, Oh, I couldn't really talk and Jess is more like, Hey, how you going, Johnny Ma? Yeah, yeah we caught the bus here. She's like it's like, Oh Jess, yeah, I used to catch the fucking bus, I like you already and it's like, Yeah, right, here we go. And then he's he, he kind of starts talking about Bert Yanch. Oh. Biggest fanatic about Bert Yanch. And he told me all this stuff about Bert, and I wasn't really aware of it. And it just mm. flicked a switch in me. And then I discovered all this stuff about Bert Yanch. And then I, I looked online, and Johnny Ma loves Bert. Mm. He, he even plays on on the album Crimson Moon. He's he's on that record with Bert. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, and then you know, then you find out about John Renborn, and then you go, that's you know, blah blah blah, Davy Graham, blah blah blah, yeah. and then all the cool British shit. So that was Johnny Marr telling me to do some research, and <laughs> I mean, that's so pretty cool. cool. Yeah. Johnny Marr turned you on to Bert Yanch, eh? Yeah, another. There is a photo of that. Oh, is there? Okay. So there is cool. photographic evidence that that actually did happen. <laughs> That's so awesome, though, man. I can imagine, though. I think your reaction to hearing them play "How Soon Is Now" is a fair one. You just couldn't. You couldn't process it here. No. And shit, the man. band was shit hot, and they had all the guitar tones down. And Johnny sung it as well, and it sounded better than Morrissey. It sounded like Morrissey, but in key, you know. Oh, yeah, beautiful. I mean, what yeah, more could one ask for? So, yeah, that's... But, yeah, we did play with lots of cool, like, um, mm. Jessica Pratt. We played with Jessica Pratt, yeah. who we listen to all the time. Mira Wagner, Aldous Harding. Yeah, the list goes on. I don't know. Yeah, just... no, I, I saw, I, I think, I mean, he's not particularly famous or anything, but one of my favorite, actually one of my favorite singers ever, it was uh, Graf Riss from the Super Furry mm. Animals. And I think that you guys also played with him, I think on a solo tour or something like that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Weirdly, that was the one that like actually blew my mind the most. Because uh, <laughs> he's just, I don't know, he just seems like such a, like a strange guy, you know, like from what I've seen. But um, but super cool that you that you guys had all of those opportunities. And what the hell, man! Like Courtney Bartnett was staying with you when you opened for Johnny Marr. That's a 
a fun little throwaway tidbit there. Um, but anyway, I guess this 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 kind of brings me. So like, how did you go from? So there was girling, like you guys were doing grunge stuff, open tuned, experimental, noisy kind of stuff. Moved into house and uh, kind of more of an electronic type of thing. Collab with Kylie Minogue and Cool Keith and all these other guys. And then, so from, so did Girling, was it, did you guys decide to just call it a day? Um, or kind of what, what wrapped that up? Yeah, I mean, it was like 14 years. Uh, we played with all of our heroes, like Will Oldham, Smog, Pavement, Beastie Crazy, Boys, man. Beck, Sonic Youth. We, Dinosaur Jr. That was, we, we did, we played with all the, Apart from Nirvana, but he'd left yeah, the building yeah. by that stage. And Dave Grohl, Foo Fighters, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, nah, I'm um, into that. But yeah, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, after fourteen years, it kind of yeah, I think it it ran its course. Um, okay. And we maybe I mean I was probably the craziest out of a lot of them. They're probably like, oh man, I'm just sick of that guy. <laughs> to be honest <laughs> well i mean like 14 years it's a long time <laughs> for for yeah. for anyone to be spending so much time together um and then after that you started another project uh the elf eh? yeah let's not talk about that that was like okay rave sample oh, based full-on electronic that sounds cool Wow, any, any I mean, look, we can move on, but but any reason why you don't want to talk about it? <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it's cool. It's cool. It's still it's it's still accomplished. It's just yeah, yeah. I think you might just vomit on yourself if you listen to it. I mean, I almost did the other day. <laughs> I had to like pay some guy five hundred bucks to take it off Spotify because he owned the right. Oh, anyway, oh, so shit. I. <laughs> so. I, yeah, it cost me 500 smackers, but it was well, well worth spent. Anyway, to um, get it and then scrubbed. From... You paid 500 bucks to get it scrubbed. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yep. Noted. Duly noted. But anyway, as you were saying, yeah. So, yeah, and, and then I put out um, one crazy record, which isn't that bad. Um, mm -hmm. That was called Plankton, Ike, and Tina Turner, David City Limits. But I just put that on med mega upload. I don't know. Got like so okay. many hits. Um, Wait. So was that still at, under the under like the project the ELF or was that a yeah okay yep, the ELF yeah, yeah. Um, and then yeah I, I mean the best thing about the ELF is um, I did this film clip called Cockroaches and it like samples like a Grease song you know the movie Grease and it kind of yeah. sounds like crappy kind of Beck and it. It's pretty cool, but I did this film mm. clip with one of the first mobile phone cameras, yeah. And um, where you can only have eight seconds of film and no sound, so I did all this green screen stuff. And I sent an email. <laughs> I sent an email to YouTube, and I said, yeah. "Hey, you should, you should, um, you should post this video, right?" And they're like, "Hi, Darren." Uh, 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 the catchphrase was like, oh, yeah, it cost me 12 bucks to make this video. I had to buy a green screen. And they're like, hi, Darren. Yeah, this is YouTube. We're going to feature you today. And then boom, t half a quarter of a million hits. Whoa. It went viral. Yeah, yeah, Whoa. yeah. yeah. It, it's when still was up that? there. The, oh, I don't know, 15 like, years ago or something. Uh, okay. 
And then, so, do you know R. Stevie Moore? Do you know that guy? No, I don't. Here. No, yeah. Well, yeah, I, I won't crap on about that. But anyway, he started stalking me and then we did some music together. But So that was that was the greatest thing that happened with ELF. But um, then after that, I was just like, I'm sick of computer music. I'm just going to play the guitar. Then okay. did the Jep, Jep and Depp. And then at that, and then I started doing Darren Cross solo, which yes, is like yeah. Townsend Sands, sad yeah, old yeah. bloke kind of stuff, whatever. <laughs> um, and then then I learned how to play the guitar properly, and now now I'm the DC yeah, Cross. Yeah, DC Cross that's project. What, yeah, hell, man. Okay, that's a cool journey, though. Like, man, I need to go check out that. Is that cockroaches video still on YouTube? Hey. Yeah. yeah, ELF cockroaches. Okay, it's, totally it's check it. really funny, actually. <laughs> I don't even know how I did it. Yeah, I can't can't remember. Like I did it on a crack, like um Final Cut Pro and okay, like learn how to do it myself on YouTube tutorials and and then it just sort it's of really bit of luck along the way and clicking and it's like I don't know what I did but that happened and. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I've been trying to get YouTube. I've been <laughs> emailing YouTube ever since, but they're not getting back to me. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what? That is actually the part of the story that I find mm. most amazing was that YouTube actually replied to your email because I didn't even think that YouTube, that emailing YouTube was a thing that a mere mortal could do. <laughs> so. This was before mobile iPhones, Duncan. This was okay. a long time ago. Damn. So. Yeah, the world has definitely been through some interesting phases over the last couple of decades. Flippin' hell. Okay, I'll check that out for sure. And then, like, so what, 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 okay, so you got sort of sick of computer music. You moved into kind of a more folky, folky duo, solo, singer-songwriter kind of thing. And um, was it sort of thinking back, you know, like, to what you said at the start, like, you know, when you were kind of a, a teenager or whatever, listening to old blues on the radio and kind of thinking of, you know, the solo guitar thing, did it kind of just come full circle and you were like, I need to go this route? Or was there something that, you know, when you were doing the singer-songwriter thing that that you saw that happened where you were like, I reckon solo, no singing, acoustic guitar, let's go like what yeah. yeah there was actually there was a bit of a light bulb moment i mm. i as darren cross i put out this um the first album was called zantastic and it came mm. out on a french label called rockers die younger and i went and toured france and all that with that and then the second darren cross album is called um pisa and the first side is all weird sample pop kind of stuff okay and then the other side is um predominantly acoustic folk um and there's a song on it called blank sabbath and i used i use an open c tuning which you know i thought you know this was along maybe 2015 i made it up and um i played it once and you know it's really tough doing the guitar singing thing in in sydney like Mm -hmm. people just talk over the top of you it's absolutely heartbreaking and it's really hard to focus and um i was playing Blank Sabbath, and um, I think it was actually in France as well. It was a bad gig, 
And I just started doing this improv thing in the open sea. And then a guy who I know come up and said, you know, John Faye, do you know Red Pony? Do you know that song? I was like, no, I don't know that. What do you mean? And then so I went home and I went, oh, yeah, right. He's already done this like 45 years ago. But <laughs> And then that was like a bang. Yeah, Fuck yeah. singing. I'm just playing the guitar now. That's it. 100%. And so I quit Jep and Deb. I did everything. And then mm. um, I think I did one more Darren Cross album, but that was through COVID times and I was using the old songs or whatever. But mm. then I was just like, this is it for me. And this is the new way. So did you watch that video? You know, there's like that kind of famous video of John Fahey playing Red Pony. Um, yeah, getting interviewed by that foxy <laughs> yeah. woman. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like Can I say that? in a guitar that now would cost like $250,000 or something. Yeah, ba the Bacon and Day guitar it is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, look yeah, at that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know it. Trust me, I know all the face stuff. But yeah, that, that was amazing. Mm -hmm. I mean, I... I I still watch that and go, that's so it good. It's so it's perfect. good. And he's uh, also like, you know, you got to also just like appreciate the, the character that he was as well, because he's just like mm. the strange dude with the side part and like a weird talker. And I don't know. There's just something about it where you're like, there's some magic, some voodoo happening here. Um, okay. Well, that's awesome that that moment happened. And so did you find like when you kind of adopted that like improv sort of more free acoustic guitaring, um, you know, you're talking just now about playing in Sydney as a singer songwriter and people just sort of talking over, did you find people kind of paid more attention or um, was there sort of a shift in audience sentiment when you decided to go full weird ecstatic type playing i don't know i'm just so into playing now i, I don't really mm. even look or whatever okay. i'm not yeah. sure yeah it's just different it's mm. just i was just so over singing like i just feel stupid yeah. now um you I know you. especially i'm in my 40s you know it's it's a fine line between middle of the road journeyman and you know Nick Drake. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, Riley Walker does it, but he's got big balls. Everyone knows that. He's got. Yeah. He's got a. He's got serious, guts. Serious balls of steel. Um, yeah. So, and he's doing the whole John Martin thing. Well, he was. I mean, he's more doing the, the, the scene cake thing, thrill jockey thing now. But yeah, I played with Riley a couple of years ago, but man, oh, that, cool. he can. It's like, oh, yeah, but he also did freak out and do this you know guitar noodle jam thing through this pedal and it kind of sounded like a techno song for a while but and yeah. then he's like doing the, the the old school riley's the singer stuff mm. but yeah, no, yeah. He, he he's done like so much stuff and as you say like yeah like the john martin thing of like it's an acoustic guitar but like were you not to see it you never would have guessed that it was there kind of thing um because of just the sounds that he gets out of it and everything which i guess yeah you know like I, i'm really into that like i really dig it when people kind of go on and do that which also i guess like while we're on that topic you know you were talking like the ambient tracks on wizrad so 
Do you do those with acoustic guitar as well, or is it an electric? No, it's all yeah, they're acoustic, and Holy then shit, man. <laughs> them yeah. manipulated, yeah. So, yeah. um, uh, it, yeah, that was. I'm not gonna tell you how I did it. No, but no, it was no don't mis- reveal the secrets. <laughs> it was a, it was actually a mistake, and okay, and that popped out. And I was like, ah, oh, yeah, right. I've got that. the vibe here. I I can't. Whoa. Okay. Is that me still? Did someone send me an email? Um, and then so yeah. By the time Chuck Johnson mastered mm. it, um, which Chuck is um, he, I don't know if you know about him, but he's he was mm. a, like a full on primitive player, like amazing. Uh, and now I didn't he's know that doing. About him. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Check it out. He's done like three or four albums. Um, yeah. Oh, you would love it. I'll send you an email after this, but um, please, man. And, and now he's doing the ambient thing, but he's playing with six organs every minutes and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, he started doing the full, well, more of the minor kind of picking stuff. So I was like, oh yeah, who should I get to master my al- album? Someone who knows that and does that. Oh yeah. And Chuck's like, yeah, love it. Let's do it. Send it back. I'm like, I'm happy with it. Mm. Beautiful. That's it. At- and it, it, so, it really yeah. does just sound so good. Like, man, I don't know. He, he He's a wizard himself because, yeah, that record is, it, it's, it's, it's some serious magic that you captured there. Like, I mean, even like my wife, who's not like, I mean, she digs music and that, but she is definitely someone who, you know, American primitive, she'll be like, right, three tracks in, that's enough. <laughs> I want to hear something else. <laughs> and I mean, yesterday we listened like, yeah, to that whole thing and she was loving it. Like, I don't know, man, it's just a beautiful record. Just really so good. Um, so I'll definitely check Chuck Johnson out to see like where, you know, what, where he comes from, uh, from that point of view too. Um, but flip man with the acoustic stuff. So like when you, when you, sort of stopped singing and you were like okay we can go the the primitive route did you feel at all like you know you were like sort of sacrificing something that you wanted to kind of communicate um or you know ever has music ever been to you about communicating something sort of directly or is it kind of a more abstract form of expression for you yeah, I was thinking about this the other day because a lot of my um, melodic structure is quite similar. I did this, mm. I don't know, I had to do like, I picked top girling songs of, of Spotify or whatever and picked the ones that are a bit weirder and more aggressive or whatever. And and I listened to, I hadn't listened to it for a while because I made up a, most of well, all the melodies that I sung and the lyrics on in girling and it's just some... Yeah, I don't know, the melody, I mean, and it. I find it quite fascinating that, like, everyone has their own uh, melodic scale that they kind of mm. express themselves with. Like, I mean, I don't know, and I was just thinking about that. But, yeah, no, music is about, always about expression to me, but the only thing that I missed was about singing is um, making up singing hooks is real easy to me it comes really easily okay. so i miss that the immediacy and it's not because i'm not really a 
can't really sing that well or whatever. So mm. I'm kind of doing these weird notes that you wouldn't really play on a guitar. So I've kind of had to morph that. Like on the Wizrad album, mm. I've got three songs based on songs that I've ditched over my life. And okay. I because they were such good melodies, I transported them into main melodies of songs on Wizrad with the instrumental mm. guitar stuff because they're melodies that are in my own personal range. It's hard to do, uh, articulate, but that's... Mm. Yeah, so I think, but that's the only thing that I think. But yeah, I, I, I'm just yeah, I'm now that's my thing. But uh, yeah, okay, that's cool though. Can I ask which songs those ones are? <laughs> yeah, um, the beginning of um, uh, what is it? Hairbrained adventure of a amateur shaman. Okay, yeah, um, that. The main melody in that is from a song called Van Diemen's Land. I wrote about Tasmania um, oh. that I, yeah, never released. That was kind of like Weird Towns Van Sant kind of thing. Um, and there was, um, what else? There was one in um, No Old Man. Okay. And that was from a, like an unreleased folk song that kind of sounded like Wilco. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, yeah, just, just stuff like that. There's one okay. called No Trouble as well, and, and that's just like, um, yeah, another, like, song that I had kicking around that never got released. It I was like, I'll just, I have to transpire that, transport that melody, yeah. So, so were all those melodies originally, like, sung with lyrics? Yeah. Okay. Okay, so like, do you reckon then that the actual melody itself almost expresses or communicates more than the actual words of the lyrics? Oh uh, no, to me it has a, the emotional attachment of what I was trying to express with the the singing. So whether or not other people pick up on that but i guess it's the thing about my song apart from the first couple of songs side two it's mm. pretty there's a bunch of really kind of sad sad music you know mm. apart from uh the brumby one and then the regicide of daniel Eck made yeah. no sound they're not sad um but it gets kind of sadder from from then on. It kind of gets a bit more emotional and slower, and mm. um, yeah, I don't know. But you know, that being said, like I, I definitely wouldn't say like uh, Brumby Revisited or the Regicide of Daniel Eck are like particularly. I I, I mean I I think I think that it's not as simple as like sad or happy, you know. Because, I mean, like the, the Brumby Revisited one, you know, I find it just very moving. And I'm not even like 100% sure, like, if it's sadness or if it's like joy and euphoric, you mm -hmm. know, it's just like a really, just a really powerful kind of song. And the way that it progresses, it just makes, 
just it just it just kind of I don't know it's just emotively very powerful and like I said you know even at the one day I was driving yesterday and it came and it just like overwhelmed me with emotion you know? <laughs> so but but I think like for from my side I as I've kind of grown older as a listener mm. I increasingly prefer instrumental music um just because you know like what you were saying like with lyrics you know they like i guess the meaning is a lot more explicit unless you're someone sort of like a leonard cohen who can kind of weave multiple meanings and millions of ways of interpreting it you know whereas a melody and just the music itself kind of there's a lot more freedom in how you interpret it i guess Sorry, absolutely man. that's no no that's true that's another reason why i stopped I, I was like i want people to like me you know i don't <laughs> i'll just shut my mouth because you know i've always been a bit you know politically probably on the left side okay more anti-capitalist more anarchy kind of dude in my Sweet. younger age so i was always going oh yeah fuck you know elon musk whatever <laughs> jeff bezos yeah. i mean in the ecstatic record in my in my album the first one there's like a picture of old bezos with a like a no jeff bezos sticker inside but you Gosh. know all this shit no one no one wants to hear that you know and with jeopardy mm. we did anti we did this fucking it's online as well this amazing clip with all this drone stuff it's called um, Helpless City, and it's about anti-gentrification, right? Mm. And it, it was, it's very Cohen-esque. It's very like, you know, nobody wants to hear that who we know. They've got kids. They're paying off a mortgage, yeah, you know. Yeah. So I was like, yeah. no one wants to hear my message. I'm just going to play the guitar. And the thing is, you can then put your spin on it. But um, it's, weird that you, it's weird that you say the thing about the Brumby song because... I wrote that song for um, when Stefan. Mm, yeah, um, I've, I've, I know the version on the tribute. Yeah, yeah, and when he passed away, Buck Curran um, mm. asked if I'd do a song, and um, and I was familiar with um, Stefan's stuff, but I, I watched all this stuff, and I, I got really emotional, and I, I felt it took me to a different place. And after binging a lot of Stefan's music and. You know how crazy he's on that Robbie Basho thing. Oh, yeah. It's weird that Buck has now has his guitar that's yes. Robbie Basho's guitar. So there's, I just wrote that song, and and I recorded that song on a really shit guitar, and and it was just like watching him. And I know that sounds a bit naff or whatever, but that's what happened. No man, and that yeah, it makes sense because there's also there's almost like, I guess also you know that acceptance of confusion that that kind of comes i guess at a certain stage in life and there's something about that song that like for me it's got like the sort of yeah like it's it's, it's very overwhelming emotionally um but but it feels like kind of the confusing nature of like how life is just so like relentless like shit is just happening and do you do, do you really are you even able really to make sense of it um and you just kind of have like a tempest of feelings throughout the whole thing i don't know i'm i'm, I'm probably rambling uh, 
and waxing no. a little lyrical here, but 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 that song definitely, it just it just feels so powerful, and okay, so so it was out of that kind of mm. with Stefan uh, Basho Younghans that it was born. Honest, honestly, yeah, honestly, it was mm. um, it, it was my, you know, what do you call it, like, song for him. Yeah, like trying to make um, sense of it all, I guess. Yeah, and a, like a tribute, like he's a lifer and now he's gone and it's yeah. really sad <laughs> yeah uh, like yeah. what does it mean <laughs> yeah <laughs> what does it but, mean but um man? wow it's just it's, it's it's really good stuff man um but yeah so with like the the with that with that compilation and everything um is that sort of another way in which you kind of connect with people like um uh, you know the the other contributors on that i don't know if you guys like chat or anything like that or if it's just something that buck put together and uh got out there yeah it's just something that buck put together i mean uh, my connection with buck's a, a lovely guy as you know mm, um yeah but he was mark this guy called mark ward who used to do a, a radio show called sideway through sounds anyone mm. in our scene or yeah mark was yeah <laughs> He had you on it. He had me on it. He had everybody yeah. on it, you know. Um, and he was a friends with Buck as well. So they've okay. been doing this for a long time. So that was my connection. I think Mark might have said to Buck, "Oh yeah, whatever." And you know, Buck's mm. online all the time. So yes, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I don't know if you know. I see Matthew J. Rowland cooking a pizza that I just cooked for as well the day before, and I'm like, "Hey, dude, this is awesome." He's like, "Yeah, yeah, check out this." You know, oh, what kind yeah. of cheese? You know. <laughs> So whatever. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. No, but no, from no, that no. Uh, from that comp, I'm not sure. Um, yeah. I oh, no, dude. No, don't don't even don't even stress don't from that from that point of view. But um, but with like the other songs compositionally, like, do you go in with like a specific intention? So this one was very much so like informed by a very sort of specific event and a person's life and their music and art and that. Um, and your other songs, like what, what, like where do you kind of pull inspiration from, and where where do where do you think that they come from? Well, with this, like the last record, the big, the big kickoff for me was um, the regicide of Daniel Ek made no sound, because mm. that is, um, it, firstly it was using the banjo picks, it was using a, okay. a different kind of tuning that I've used before. But I wanted to really, I learn a different pattern as well. So with every album that I do, I, I get a new guitar and I learn a new pattern that's more difficult than what I've done before. Okay. And the pattern that I learned was, it was one I invented, but it was kind of based on a Kotke thing. Like Kotke's, we haven't even mm. talked about him yet, but he's, yeah. his early stuff for me, I love Leo Kotke. Kotke, mm. like, he's kind of... He's up there for me. I don't like his singing or whatever. Yeah. Um, so I spent a lot of time, weeks and weeks mm. and weeks, like trying to figure out these new patterns. And then from that, um, yeah, I was kind of, I also discovered bluegrass. Okay. Cool like bluegrass. Not, the not whole... dust. <laughs> no, well, in particularly Doc Watson. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you can't go wrong. Um, yeah, and I, I, I don't know, I, I knew, um, who's that 
Dustin, a baggy guy, the hipster guy. Whatever. Oh, yes, yeah, Billy Strings. Billy Strings, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So mm. I was like, yeah, that's cool. And then, I don't know, I was off my head. And then I was like, oh, Doc Watson. I keep seeing Doc Watson. Doc- I think yeah. I actually downloaded the history of Faye. You know, there's some compilation and it's the roots of John Faye and it has like eight albums. Have you seen that? No, I haven't. I haven't. Yeah. Totally going to check that out though. Yeah, so then this was, I don't know. Uh, like six months ago and it was just mm. like okay bluegrass whatever so i started taking a bit of that bit of that and then that song actually took me a month to write Wow! and then there's two songs on the album um no old man and no trouble mm. and i made them up on the spot just bashed out and with the tape running that's so cool um, okay yeah so, so from that I, I had the structure and then it was all in my head and then I just could churn stuff out. Wow. Okay, so those two they came I, I imagine after like a month of kind of developing that new approach and putting together the regicide of Daniel Eck. Okay. Okay, that's so cool though. So for for all four of the albums, have you followed like a similar approach where it's like new guitar? figure out some new patterns and build an mm. album from there. Wow, that's a yeah. really that's a really kind of interesting way to go about it because I think I, I see so many artists like I mean who end up just making like the same album again and again and again. Um and don't have mm. sort of a way of pushing themselves forward and i guess you know like if you look at someone like ben chesney from six organs that was like the whole rationale but behind that hexatic system that he created was because mm. he was like he, he just keeps falling back into the same patterns of playing okay so like you're definitely trying to sort of push yourself then or, or that's what it sounds like to me in terms of your playing oh. ability yeah Oh, always, yeah, 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 and you know, and then you'll hear someone like James Blackshaw, and you'll go, "Oh, I sound like fucking Mickey Mouse. What the hell? Where's the twelve string? Let me practice now." There's always someone better, you know, and there's always inspiration there. There's so much cool music, mm. and you know, I'll I'll hear it in different things, but yeah, never. I mean, if I was like I don't know Neil Young, and I could. Do the hair A minor chord, that's a million yeah. bucks. We going to build Boom. a barn and yeah, I'd do that. But I mean, I'm not like that. So um, <laughs> at all. Yeah. Uh, I couldn't even buy one of his, his, when he was selling his flannel shirts online. Did you fucking see that? No, I didn't see that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He was doing that about eight years ago. It was like 12,000 bucks for some flannel shirt. Like a used one, one that he wore at a gig or something. Fucking yep. hell, man. I remember so, there was that dude, what was his name? Pete Doherty from the Libertines. And that. <laughs> yeah. He was selling fucking Stompies, like cigarette butts, um, you know, like also on eBay or whatever, like hundreds, thousands of pounds for his cigarette butts. <laughs> so like, yeah. I, I doubt he could do it now, though. Has he written any good songs, though? Um, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> he wrote a couple, I think, in the early two thousands when like the Libertines first record and that. I, I, I dug it. I was like thirteen at the time, but I was into it. Um, but I don't think I, he's written any he good songs. He wrote one really. good 
He wrote Sounds one good one with Wolfman for the lovers. Did oh you? yeah, for for I yeah like that. for lovers. That, I, yeah, I, that's I, it. I yeah, that song. Yeah, that's a great Beautiful. track. And I also really like the first, like his band after he got kicked out of the Libertines, the Baby Shambles. Their their first album mm. is great. The ones after that are really bad. Uh, even with like Stephen Smith, um, who I think produced the Smiths and Blur and mm. all of them, he tried to get them to sound good and i think it was a poison chalice that he had been given for those projects but um yeah but yeah but anyway back to your playing like that's it's a really cool approach though to try and kind of push yourself into new patterns with each album Mm. and yeah so the plan i'm guessing is to stick it out with the acoustic ecstatic primitive if you will playing for for some time for the foreseeable future or are you ready to dive back into computers and do that whole thing no definitely i get enough computers doing film clips and that i i just okay um yeah i don't um and i just got this beautiful new guitar i told you about uh, yes yeah let's chat about that more yeah so i i'm just i'm already writing again I'll just yeah. keep going. I'll just keep going. I, and whatever. I got to think more about putting the record out. I don't fucking, I hate doing that shit and doing promo on that. Oh, Sending out a thousand emails and two people, the same ones get back. Oh yeah. It's not really my cup of tea. I'm like, why the fucking even did I bother? Up yours, Jerry. I'm yeah. out of here. Yeah. No, but anyway, I, so. It's, it's a horrible. Yeah. It's just guitar. But, it's just playing the guitar. <laughs> but I guess that's also what's nice about acoustic though. It's like, like you were saying, it's just like you don't. It's the whole thing is just there in one instrument. You don't have to plug it in, create anything. Mm. It's just, um, it's just a really, I guess, user-friendly music-making experience because it's just good to go instantly. Um, and I guess that's why it's sort of sustained itself for this long as an instrument of choice for so many people. But that. Um, so that guitar, the, the the one that that you sort of specced and have had built. So that's a a builder in Australia who made that guitar, right? Yeah, his his name's Theo Nicholas, and he's in South Australia. Um, okay. And he's it's um, like Adelaide. yeah, it, Adelaide. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's called um, Opus. He I played a show with his son, and um, he's like. Um, what kind of guitar are you playing there? And I'm like, oh, it's a Sigma 70s guitar. I bought it on Marketplace for 180 bucks. He's like, oh, man, I'm going to fucking build you a guitar, okay? I'm like, yeah, whatever. Sure, chum. Yeah, yeah. Oh, here's my number. And he he gives me a text that night. He goes, all right, give me your dream guitar. What do you want? I'm like, are you serious? Yeah. So. Fuck, that's it's so ba- cool. Yeah, yeah. And, and he, like... It was almost like we were having an affair the way, like, I was lying in bed at 11 o'clock in my underpants, like, going, oh, check out this wood. He's like, oh, yeah, look, spruce. Oh, yeah. Like, my wife's next door, like, snoring her head off. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. Tasmanian <laughs> <Sure>. black wood. <laughs> but, um, oh, yeah. so he, yeah, it's built, um, it's based on, there's an Australian guy now, he's passed away, but his name's Jim Williams, and, he put out these guitars, um, t- t- amazing, and it's based on a double OFC woodpecker that he used to make, which okay. are just like way out of my price range. But um, so mm-hmm. yeah, I gave the specs to uh, 
uh, Theo, and he he virtually just put his touch on it as well. So mm. the the other wood is um, Tasmanian blackwood. Okay. And it's got Shirtler machine heads, which are amazing. And the top is uh, Lutz spruce, which is from the Canadian American water. Wow. Um, and I think Taylor might use something similar, but this has, it's quite a big, bigger guitar. And it's got a Florentine as well, yeah. which he tried to, he tried to talk me out of it. I'm like, fucking no way I'm going medieval, man. We've come this far. Yeah. No, yeah, I, I so. don't know why the Florentine isn't more popular. Why Why was he trying to talk you out of it? Because they used, they used to be uncool, Duncan. They used to be what uncool. What the fuck? No, man. Yep. Can I show I you? Think, I think when Jimmy Page started playing those plastic o- ovations with, yeah. um, with Roy Harper. Hey. Hey, that's a cute the- one. Yeah, no, this was... What brand is it? That's actually a tailor that someone gave yep. me. Um, You're like Tommy Emmanuel. It's actually some dude, Chris Proctor. He's like a guitarist that I'd never heard of. He does like weird solo acoustic guitar versions of Beatles songs. It's his signature <laughs> model. That Okay. Yeah, like a family member ended up with it and was like, I don't know. And then I, and then I got it. I was like, fucking, this is amazing. Um <laughs> But, mm. but yeah, dude, like, okay, so, so, so the reason that the guy was trying to talk you out of the Florentine was purely because it's not cool. It's not like a tonal thing or something like that. No, I just think he thought I was nuts. He's like, I'm oh, fucking, what do you want a Florentine for? No, they're but, so I mean, much cooler than the round one. It, it's when, you know, when, but when, when Jimmy Page and Roy yeah. Harper started playing the, the ovation, okay. kind of the rounded plexiglass whatever it kind of fucked everything up no fuck those guitars sorry <laughs> oh they're terrible they're not even guitars they're, they're, they're sound like a, so a salad bowl yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly like plastic there's this, oh awful there's this amazing um a, a youtube thing of like yeah roy harper who's fucking cool and jimmy yeah. page stoning out of their brains sitting in I don't know, fucking dub, uh, Ireland or something in the yeah. in the the Lakes District. I don't know where it is, and they're playing those guitars. It's like, Why? listen to what? It's, <laughs> my God, this sounds disgusting. You idiots! It's Jimmy Page. What are you doing? <laughs> I, I know you ripped off Bert Yance before, but fucking, this is ridiculous, bro. It is fucking ridiculous, man. Like. At least Bert never went the ovation route. <laughs> but, <laughs> no. He was a Yamaha but, man, you know? Yeah. No, yeah. I, I, I really love that about Bert, Bert, how he was just like Yamaha, just your everyman kind of guitarist, you know? But with the mm. ovations, the only cool thing I've ever seen is, have you ever watched those videos of um, the guy from King Crimson, Robert Fripp, and his League of Crafty Guitarists? where he has like mm. 40 people each with an ovation just playing like the weirdest you know king crimson ish kind of riffs just on acoustic guitar it, it it is so out there like 10 out of 10 recommend it like prepare wow. to have your mind blown when you watch it that's the only cool thing ever done with ovation guitars i reckon okay yeah i'll check it out that gives a bit of cred i might pick yeah. one out of the out of the bin next time I see one there. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's no, like but... holding, a sh- holding a shed door open so the chickens can get through or something. That really is all it's good for. And it always they always had like weird, like 
ornamentation on them as like where they'd like cut out like leaves or something out of plastic or wood or just like oh ugly did bon jovi play them or something the one in dead or alive it's kind of i don't know it's kind of got that cross maybe it's their boots and their hair that look like it i don't know jeez anyway shit guitars but 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 yeah but i think that those guitars did set humanity back a good decade or so when (laughs) when roy and jimmy page and all of them started using them uh, I don't know what they were thinking. But anyway, yeah, as you say, they obviously just weren't listening to how they sounded. Mm. Yeah. Okay, but anyway, back to your guitar. Okay, so you were like Florentine Cutaway. And so it's so is the whole back Tasmanian Blackwood, like the back and sides. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, He, he found some really crazy wood. Um, mm. But I, I wanted to keep it because I've got... um. I got uh, I got some kind of what do you call it? Uh, sentimental sentimentality with Tasmania. Okay, I got lots of oh, friends yeah. there, and I had a, like a girlfriend for eight years who's from Tasmania. So okay. I know I love Tasmania, and I know it quite well. It's um, so beautiful. It's like one of the most yeah. beautiful places on the planet. Those uh, fern trees and forests and things. It's yeah, what a place. Yeah, so I wanted to keep that mm. in. He was like, I've got some uh, mad wood from a bridge that blew up in China like 200 years ago. And I'm like, I don't want a bridge from China, man. I just want to fucking. <laughs> but yeah, so it, these guitar guys, they're really into wood and crazy and tone oh, yeah. and what it looks like. And the craziest, it, I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm not that kind of person. Just let's just yeah. bring it back. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. But so like what, what like in, in your like a non-luthier understanding or like to your ears anyway, like what, what kind of tonal characteristics do you think like the guitar has with that spruce and the blackwood and everything? It's got this um, resonance mm. and sustain <laughs> that you just don't get on other guitars. <laughs> beautiful that's like ah the perfect answer it's got the resonance and sustain (laughs) i never even knew what those things were like i've been duncan i've been using shit guitars like you'd find on the side of the road my whole life right like no one would even rob me because they wouldn't even steal the guitars you'd leave them and they'd be like leave them overnight they're like oh shit i left my guitar there yeah it's still there no for real before i got uh, this tailor here all of my guitars are exactly the same. Where I have also left them at venues, gotten too drunk and passed out, lost it, <laughs> gone back the next day, there it is, untouched. <laughs> you know? So no, you, so I feel you. <laughs> did you get many um, Japanese knockoffs in South Africa? Oh, yeah. no, Like, like the parlor like, styles, like Kasuga, Tarada, Sigma... You get Takamini. Yeah, you get plenty of all of those, especially Takamini. I don't know what Takamini did, but they must have like brought a whole shipload or something because they're mm. everywhere. That's probably, I would say, probably the most common acoustic guitar you see here is a Takamini. Like everyone has them. Uh, and then we also have a huge number of just like horrible Chinese guitars. 
there's a brand called Sanchez. The name is not, it's not, it's not Spanish. It's not from Mexico. It's definitely Chinese. And yeah, right. you just, you see millions of Sanchez's and another brand is uh, Karaya, C-A-R-A-Y-A. In fact, the banjo I have is a Karaya that costs like next to nothing. So just mm. like cheap Chinese guitars. Um, but when it comes to electrics, like if you're on, you know, whatever Facebook marketplace or whatever, you'll just see loads and loads and loads of, what is it, Tiesco's or TE. I don't know if you know them. They're Japanese, like th there's just millions of them here. I don't know how they all got here. But yeah, just oh. like these ch cheap Japanese electric guitars. They're really cool though. They're like super yeah, they're hipster. skinny. Yeah, yeah they're, 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 they're hipster. Yeah. <clears throat> I think in other parts of the world, you'd probably be able to sell them for a bit. But sometimes yeah. you, you, you'll see like someone post a guitar for sale here with like, and they'll be like, oh, I checked on Reverb.com and this is what they're going for in America. And everyone's just like, yeah, like the, the, the problem is that you're not in America. <laughs> so like cut that yeah. price in half and then like minus 10% on top of that. And then <laughs> you, you might get a buyer. <laughs> We're yeah, not right. a rich people, <laughs> but yeah. So no, hey, can I ask you? Hmm? Can I please ask you a question? Sorry yeah, to cut you off. Yeah, sure. No, go. Um, so do you know this uh, South um, African guitarist? His name's Derek Gripper. I do. Not, yes. not personally, but but yeah. No, I've seen him live a couple of times, and uh, yeah. Do you so know him? So I'll tell you. Well, I'll tell you this. Well, he's also hmm? sponsored by Shirtler, but I'll tell you this amazing oh. story, right? So yeah. just before. Just before COVID hit, I was like, you know, whatever, looking at my phone. Mm -hmm. And it's like, um, South African guitarist playing mm -hmm. in the weirdest place. Uh, it's a place n near us, but in this community center, like, what the hell? Yeah. So I was just like, come on, Jess, we'll go along. So we went there. And then Derek Gripper sits down. Hello. Starts mm -hmm. playing Jarabi. Do you know that? Like classical. Yeah classical african thing playing three mm. parts at once oh yes fucking, yes, yeah, yeah fucking blew he's, me away he, he's amazing man yeah he's i love him he's like he's one of the best guitarists i've ever seen and it was like really just changed everything for me yeah and he was on the nylon string here when you saw him yep yeah, yeah and he no you go he'll play he'll play bark or something like that but he he does this um yeah african thing it's usually off those um i forget what the drum is it's a like it's like the African banjo. It's like really. Yeah. So, so um, there's a couple of things. It's like, I know he spends a lot of time in Mali where they play choras yep. and things like that, which. Chora, like, that's it. Yeah. And they're almost like harps, you know, the, mm. some, some of those instruments. And he has like gone and transposed so many of those sort of traditional pieces of music for guitar. That's like his one. So one of the things that he's really kind of renowned for here is that. But also, I don't know if you if at that gig, did he whip out just like his straight, like Bach and other classical yeah. pieces. It's yeah, fucking PT. crazy how, <laughs> how he goes in for that. But um, yeah, like, like for a long time here, he was just sort of touring on his Mali uh, composition or his Mali transpositions or I guess whatever you want to call them which is mm. really cool but you know who you should definitely check out 
is there's a South African, I guess, DJ, but he, he basically he makes electronic music. Um, and he often has Derek Gripper playing guitar or like samples Derek Gripper's guitar and builds these songs mm. out of it. I'll send you a couple. That dude's name is Felix LeBand. He is my favorite South African musician. It's just like incredible, the samples and stuff that he uses. Um, but him and Derek, I think, are pretty good friends. And like whenever he's got guitar, Derek Gripper's the person playing it. Super cool. Oh, cool, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that sounds right up my alley. <clears throat> yeah, no, you, you'll love it just based on what you've said. But yeah, so here like... We have Derek Gripper. Then there's another guy called Guy Buttery, who's sort of the only other solo guitarist who's really gone beyond the borders. But both of those guys are very much so um, have that kind of almost like classical-ish vibe about them. You know, they're like very professional, button-down shirts, sort of, you know, kind of formal players, um, yeah. as opposed to just, you know, <laughs> kind of ramshackle, bluesy sort of uh, ramblers. But, but yeah, Derek is probably the, the, the biggest South African guitarist out there. Yeah, Super cool. cool though. And yeah, community center, that sounds exactly on brand. <laughs> Just like a community center in a random outer suburb somewhere or something like that. Yeah. Oh, don't get me wrong, there was five hundred people there and they were lining up to get his autograph afterwards. He oh, fucking really? blew yeah. the he blew the yeah. roof off. Yes. Sorry, I I, I don't mm. mean to minimize it. It was something to do with the Australian Guitar Festival or something. Okay. Yeah. Which is not my cup of tea. I send him emails. They're like, oh, wrong number, mate. Fuck off. Oh, you yeah. know, like, you know, but I have a guitar. Yeah. Look. No, no, no. But yeah, so. But yeah, Derek Gripper. I just thought I'd bring that up. Yeah, I'm a big fan of his music. Super cool. Super cool. And definitely I'll share Felix LeBan stuff with you where like, yeah, he's played with or Derek Gripper's played guitar on a bunch of his songs over the years, which, yeah excellent stuff but that's another weird thing that i've noticed is like you say like you know you have these sort of like guitar festivals and there's kind of like a i don't know it's it's i don't know how those things are curated because there's always a very weird type of guitarist that gets selected for those sorts of events i find Um, yeah and it and it always is that kind of very professional um, kind of look and feel. And I think that also might be something that people feel about Leo Kotke, like as opposed to like Basho and Fahey, who were just kind mm. of like a little bit fucked up and unable to really pull themselves together properly. Whereas Leo was like a level headed dude who could, you know, um, could get, get away with, 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 um, Playing those sorts of events, I guess. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I kind of stop after the like early seventies. Yeah. I mean, with Leo. I mean, the, the first album that he put out on Tacoma is that's the thing for me. And also on that Tacoma, him, Peter Lang, and Faye, um, mm. the one with the dragons or whatever on the front. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, look, I've got every Leo Kotke album, and I don't yeah. really listen to all the the vocal ones. I mean, yeah. Yeah, it's not my cup of tea. Except Pamela Brown, I might like, but um, and he, he he'll do something like put a, 
like a breakbeat to um, Vaseline <laughs> machine gun, and you know, I'll vomit on myself. I'm like, oh god, yeah. what are you doing? But it's so I mean, tasteless, yeah. <laughs> like real, yeah, like kind of whatever. But I mean, yeah, he's still having a crack. But yeah, he's very funny, and yeah, he's refined. Mm. Um, yeah, mm. he's still playing, man. He's still playing, and he's in his eighties. Unbelievable. It's- it's crazy how, how how he's still going. I know, like, when I spoke to Ben from Six Organs, he's seen Leo Kotke, like, eight times or something, and he's just, like, he's still amazing live. Like, you know, today, like, like if if there's a Leo Kotke show to go to, he's just, like, he will always go and recommends mm. everyone goes because he's just incredible still. Um mm. And yeah, I I think probably because, like you say, of the vocal albums, like, you know, a lot of his output is not great, um, objectively even. But I do feel like he doesn't get the same sort of recognition that, you know, Peter Lang, John Fahey, Robbie Basho tend to get, you know, in these sorts of circles. Leo can be a little bit like left out often like even Mm. in that robbie basho documentary there's that part where you know country joe is talking and he's like yeah we would go to this coffee shop and john fahey would play and robbie basho would play and and there was another guy but i can't remember his name and it just like cuts to the poster and it's like john fahey robbie basho leo (laughs) kotke and you're like ah always forgotten Cocky yeah. is he's very um generous too with um advice. If you read anything that mm. Leo says, you always pull something out of it that's really positive. You know, I, I read something the other day and I was kind of doing that. He's like, you know, you don't want to rehearse. No one wants to rehearse. You want to play. And if you're not feeling it, lean into it and play it. Mm. And I was just like, fuck, that's exactly right. Yeah. And and he he said something else as well about pickups and like he would bring three different pickups and he would change it and and just all this stuff and it's like man this guy is so cool like he's just a yeah. lifer who who puts a lot of time and effort and still going like those guys have mm. popped off now but I don't know yeah, yeah I just I just no, really still... he also definitely is not faking it like if you see videos of him like he is into what he's doing like i guess Mm. which is you know that piece of advice that you just sort of shared of his it's like if you know you don't want to practice you want to be into it and i think he really like every video i've ever seen of him playing i'm like damn this guy is seriously into it like Mm. um just like he doesn't half-ass it you know um but yeah but so what's the, what are your musical plans sort of from now to the end of the year and into the new year? Well, yeah, I've got the Wizrad album coming out and um, mm-hmm. I've bankrolled all that. So um, I paid for all the vinyl and the CDs okay. and all that. So, so is, it a, is it a self-release or, you know, like, like mm. you're controlling the whole release and everything? Yeah, I, I just put it out on No Drums Records, which is my record. Okay. Label. So here I'll, I'll play a couple of bigger shows, and I do the mm. Faye a lot. Like I'll book little shows and drive around and sell them mm. at shows or out the back of my car. And yeah, I can I can ship a bunch doing that, mm. and I got a, a a bunch of core people 
Oh, whoops. Um, <laughs> pressing the thing. So, yeah, I'll do that. Um, and, yeah, I, I think I'm going to start writing another record. And I'm not sure. Like, I've had a lot of the people who I've shown, they've really been blown away by the ambient stuff, mm. um, which I haven't really, I don't know. I haven't really thought about I just think... doing that i don't know yeah like for me as as a listener as one of the people who has been blown away by the ambient stuff i'll say this like the ambient stuff is awesome but it's particularly awesome within that context i like if if i just heard if like if i just heard one of the ambient tracks like on its own um i probably would have been like yeah this is pretty cool but within the sequencing of the album they're just mm. really perfectly placed and just texturally ideal for the kind of the flow of the record. Um, yeah. Anyway, sorry. Whatever the fuck my opinion's worth. <laughs> there, there you have it. <laughs> <laughs> as long okay. as you're not trying to sell me an ovation, I'm fine with everything so far, Duncan. <laughs> <laughs> no, no worries there. No worries there. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah okay so gigging so it, oh, have you only got plans for gigs in australia for now here oh yeah no i kind of got a bit of a distro thing um i'm gonna mm -hmm. sell it, uh the record in germany um i got a i've got a couple a mate who has a record store in berlin and um yeah i'm just gonna drop a bunch of records over to him and uh yeah i'll sell a bunch in Europe, just because postage from Australia, you probably get it in South Africa too, man. It's so fucking crazy. Yeah, it's it's like just it's not a killer. Feasible, actually, nah, no. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to get my head around that. Um, and you know, I love America, but I'm, I don't know. I'd love to go there as well, but um, it's just America and Britain are so hard to get into these days. You need visas and all this shit. They're all gone nuts. Yeah. Um, so I don't know, but. Yeah, I'll just um, yeah, I'll just wait till the record comes out and hopefully people hear it and then I can go play for them. Sounds good. Sounds perfect, actually. But anyway, yeah, from my side, fantastic record, and I've also been really loving getting into your previous stuff. But um, but that new one, there's 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 a real special magic about it. So so thanks so much for sharing it with me, um, and thanks for chatting about it. And then I reckon just as a last question, um, if you were to play a song of yours to someone who had never heard your music, had no sort of context, which song would you play for them? I'd probably, today, I'd probably play No Old Man off Wizrad. I think it's, 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 I don't know, it's kind of got everything for me in in that mm. encapsulates <laughs> um but yeah I, I think that one i mean yeah i don't know i'm hopeless at that i don't know no 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 don't don't believe that that uh that voice but no that i think that's a sick song and absolutely killer although it's not that 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 song hasn't been like released as a single or anything yet here no but i could send it to you is it would you be comfortable if i played it at the end of the episode comfortable what do you mean 
like sitting in a chair drinking a nice tea. Yeah, man. Like, would you be able to have a cigar, drink a... <laughs> <laughs> well, um, not doing that. But yeah, I'll send you that for sure. Yeah, I would be comfortable. With oh, that. you would be comfortable. You see. Yes. You can tell that I have to be overly diplomatic with people in my day-to-day work. <laughs> but yeah. But thank I do you apologize so much, man. for that. No. Don't don't no apology required. But um but thank you so much, man. Um and I'm looking forward to the album. I'll definitely be sharing it once it comes out. And yeah, can't wait for the future and just thank you so much for taking the time to chat as well. I really appreciate it. Yeah, uh, thank you, Duncan. It's been a pleasure. And um, yeah, uh, I mean, the album is scheduled for the 3rd of November 2023, and that'll just be on Bandcamp. Um, mm. I do have one or two songs on Spotify, which we won't go into, but I have been anti-Spotify guy forever. And I just put up a film clip today um, for Rotterdam Hustle, which... That's, so there's there's a couple of new songs kicking about, mm. but um, but no, yeah, and and good stuff, man. But thank you and take care. Thank you.